I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I really like Nicki Minaj, and I also run Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. And I'm direct to the Fifth Element. I highlight Fifth Element Hip Hop, which is knowledge. The nappy headed hoes, but my kitchen good. I wish, I wish, I wish, I bitch. What? Everything you could have chose, you chose. <sighs> I, I mean, you told me to do the you told me to do the worst one possible. And I feel like that's the worst one. I mean, possible. I I personally think Common Code is. I mean, I mean, just yeah, harmonizing, I, I, harmonizing. Put my. Come on, go! So it's like it's like an eagle. It's so much it's fun. So, Pantomime. It's so, it's so much pantomime. fun. This episode's gonna be yes. fun. Oh. Yeah. Sure. Hi Ben. <coughs> How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? I had an nice, an interesting week. I had a decent week. I had some. It was a rough end to my week, but it was okay at the start. Uh, I listened to a fair few albums. Um, I listened to Ocean Wisdom's "Stay Sane." Now this one, mm-hmm. this one was fascinating. Because I honestly expected Ocean Wisdom to come in and just tear the entire project down. You know, he's well known for just spitting rapid fire bars. But what we got on here was like almost spoken word at times. You know, there were some slow, calming pieces. Uh, We had a song like Drilly Rucksack, which wouldn't have been out of place, in my opinion, on a Code of the Friend album. Uh, Shorty Good came next. Like, I think that would have been better named drilly rucksack like it, it just kind of flips me out a lot of a lot of these songs i was struggling to get into the album like i put it on on friday night and i think i got close to getting into the vibe of it but i don't know i just missed it like there's a lot of experimental songs and interesting asides all over it like you know dragons open the melon i actually felt like the last three songs were what i anticipated was going to happen originally uh can't breathe either especially this is it's a good album. It's not a bad album at all. I don't want to come across and say that. It, it just hit me with a really different direction than what I was anticipating. And I think it might be difficult for people who are used to instant gratification, myself included. But uh, I'm going to persevere with this. I'm genuinely going to persevere because I actually think it's, it's probably a really good piece of art. And it just might take me a little bit of time to, to acclimate to it. So shout out to Ocean Wisdom for that. Uh, Young Dolphin, Key Glock, Dumb and Dumber 2... These guys never miss. They they just don't miss. The beats, every single beat on this project is going to explode your speaker system. The bass is throbbing, which is a really gross word, but it's actually apt here. Dolph and Key Glock do it justice every single time, and that's not the easiest thing to do. You, you can have the hardest production in the world, but if you don't have the voice and the confidence to match it, as well as the lyrical content... It's not going to go, you know, it's not going to work. And it's almost like their voices are percussion instruments on top of already overworked 808s and bass lines. Like, 
you know, they, they punctuate every beat with their vocals. And I love this combo. I love them as a duo. I think they're one of the best duos in hip-hop right now. I really hope they continue dropping together because, you know, it's an hour, this album, boy. It never lags uh, or taxes. is a great project. Vic Mensa, one, one tape or I tape. Uh, it was either a capitalized I or it was just the number one. Yeah, man, this is... Um, snuck out no one no one's really talking about it but it is actually really good really surprisingly good not there's no misses on here at all and i think this is probably the vic mensa that we were expecting after you mad but it never really fully eventuated in a full-length project i'm not sure why i'm not sure why but this project feels focused and cinematic like the skits the samples some crazy guest spots why jean like on shelter wow man just still got it absolutely still got it i think like sometimes these eps can come off like a wild mishmash where an artist tries to go through a bunch of random ideas but on this i think because you know the ep kind of gives you that scope to put on six songs six different genres or six different subgenres, six different directions but i think vic actually seemed to really respect continuity and we get something stacked with insane beats and really solid bars. Victory is a great song produced by Just Blaze. It's the second song on the project. Just and Blaze? Yeah. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, we're getting something here. Because we don't hear Just Blaze very often these days. So every every time he pops up, it feels special. And it's actually a special project. I really like that. Uh, Chewy and Diamante, long story short... This is a great project. Uh, Checkup was my favorite uh, song on this because of the lyrical density. He, he you know, the, the bars like, uh, is this my depression or is a henny got me fucked up? And they repeat that. I'm like, yeah. I think he he has a, an Earl quality that is interesting and really enjoyable. The beats here are fire, like really fire. Trap focus, but you know what they do? They have this special feel. And I see this a lot with underground projects where... It really hits, because I listen to a lot of underground music and a lot of music submitted by my followers. So when something comes out where the production is like high, high, high quality, like I could see this kind of production on any kind of, you know, top tier trap artist, it really surprises me, but I see it more often than you would expect. So I think there is like this subsection of underground hip hop producers who are just very, very technically proficient and very good at what they do. And Diamante clearly is because they understand frequencies and percussion. And um, yeah, man, this project is perfectly produced. It's really good. Uh, Soulfly by Rod Wave. I didn't know what to expect. This is my first Rod Wave album. But I was actually on my way home from a date on Friday night. It was quite late and the, the date didn't go too well. So I was, you know, I was in a bit of a melancholy mood. And this album just really hit. Like, it's so powerful and emotive. Like, Rod Wave is, he's a real presence on these beats. He almost envelops the beats. Tombstone, I think, is my favorite on this album. It's actually indicative of the whole album, really. He talks about the issues he's facing and he kind of looks forward to his own passing. In two ways, like in both senses of that. He's looking forward to his own passing because of the peace it will bring. But he's like in a present situation and looking like, what will it look like when I do pass? And it's just wild. It's a wild listen sometimes. Like, you know, there's songs like Pills and Bills, uh, Invisible Scar, Sneaky Links. Like some of the song titles are really evocative. 
I think the gospel-infused songs like Tombstone really lift it to a new level. It's it's actually a really calming listen at times, but it's a painful one too, especially if you're experiencing some hardship yourself. So that album's actually gonna do one. Looks like it's gonna do 150k first week. So Rodway's last album did 72k. 150k will easily be the most of any hip hop artist this this year. That is a huge number to do with no bundles. So it's got a huge following. Finally, Flea Lord and DJ Muggs. Man, I, I didn't even know where this was. Like, I missed it on my new release calendar because I didn't see it anywhere. It just popped up, like, I think yesterday or the day before on Spotify. It's fire, man. Flea Lord. I mean, we knew this. We knew this. Flea Lord's not going to miss. There's a song on here called Wallabies and Gucci Loafers with Ghostface. And I don't think there are many modern MCs who can pull this off. But Flea Lord absolutely nails it. Doesn't get washed by Ghostface on that song. He's just, in, he's consistently great. And you pair him with DJ Muggs. That's a great matchup. DJ Muggs, the thing about DJ Muggs is that people don't realize is he has a Rolodex that could have retired its jersey somewhere. But he doesn't go back to these artists that he's worked with, like, you know, Cypress Hill, Ice Cube, Das FX, Dre, RZA, MC8, KRS-One, Mob Deep. Like, there's a crazy, crazy, crazy contact list. But he keeps pushing forward with new artists like Rome Streets, now Flea Lord. Like, I really love that about DJ Muggs. And I like also that DJ Muggs has updated his sound constantly throughout his whole career. But he's kept it in that same late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s boom bap. But it sounds fresh today. It still sounds relevant today. It doesn't have that. I don't want to use a, you know, any kind of dusty or old head term. I don't want to use those terms. But like, it doesn't have like 1992 qualities it sounds like 1992 would sound in 2021 and i think he's one of the best producers in the game right now so i could highly recommend that project flea lord doesn't miss anytime flea lords dropping go check it out so yeah that was me what about yourself uh yeah i'm going to three uh projects for this week uh shout out to friends of 5e uh a1 and phonics uh, nothing less uh, these guys, obviously, uh, well, if you don't know, um, they hold their own uh, label, Don't Sleep, and uh, they regularly collab together. Uh, if you done don't several know works now, over you the know. past couple of years. Exactly. And uh, yeah, Nothing Less is uh, pretty decent. I like it. Uh, there are some songs that have these, like, uh, uh, no hook, uh, just sample kind of uh, like sample hooks, so to speak. Um, I love those kind. I love that style. I it's it's, it's really seen these days. Really seen these days. But um, yeah, neo boom bap kind of thing. Or well. Well, just boom bap in general, actually. I don't think um I think neo boom bap is what you call like Griselda and that. But anyway, um yeah, just boom bap sounds um, as Phonics loves to do really sample heavy, uh real just nice flowing uh just just nice flowing beats. Uh, A one comes through some nice lyrics. Uh, there are some really good features actually on here. Let me let me let me shout out some features on here. Let get get up right quick. Uh, we got uh Master Ace uh, uh Anti Lily got Blue. Uh, got Kid Abstract, who I uh, really enjoy, and yeah, there's some, there's just some real good stuff on here, uh, there's some real good commentary in the last few tracks, uh, Fatherhood, uh, A1 recently became a father, and, uh, that's, that track really, uh, uh, it just feel it just felt really uh, weighted in terms of what he was talking about, and uh, that was that was kind of poignant. And the last track when was really good as well, talking about uh, just uh, you know just general uh, politics and stuff like that from uh, all the stuff that we've been seeing over the past few years. Uh, so that's really good. And uh, yeah, man, it's just a really solid album, real solid album. If you've listened to Awana Phonics, you know exactly where you're getting. But if you haven't, just classic boom bap kind of hip hop, uh, real throwback feel to that, uh, to all of it. So shout out to them. 
Ocean Wisdom stay sane. One of my four horsemen of the pen apocalypse. Um, I, I, I love his dudes in general. Uh, this album's, yeah, like you said, it's very interesting. Especially for someone who has listened to Ocean for the past few years. Um, like, Wizville was, like, my number one album that year. Uh, Big Talk was on, uh, I think, I think my uh, album list as well from that year. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy Ocean Wisdom's music. I just, I just love his, obviously the fast flows, the the bars themselves, uh, the formerly um, uh, real classic hip hop kind of a uh, lean that he had towards everything. But he's going, he's going in a different direction in recent years. Uh, Big Talk uh, was really a, a inflection point, I feel, for him. Uh, in this case of this album, it's his first album under his own label, uh, Beyond Measure. So uh, shout on that front. And uh, yeah, you can see he's really going a different direction with all this. And, uh, you know, for better or worse, uh, I feel like this album has interesting features on f- at first glance uh i did mention frank's doing harvey gunn last week uh, maverick sabers on here novelist coach radical um so yeah good good uh, features i don't think they really uh uh steal anything uh, steal the show in that any in that fashion i feel like they stay in the uh they stay in the concept that uh ocean's crane here which is cool uh, i like that kind of a like kind of, uh, kind of vibe uh, I will say for someone who, again, who has listened to Ocean for the past couple of years, it's, it's much, uh, this is a must, much less energetic album, uh, for better or worse. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think like you, it takes. I think it will take a few listens. I think this takes a few listens. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to be very interested to see how this will marinate for me personally uh, as we go through the year and as I start listening to everything again uh, around November time. Uh, I, I first, I first listen. I really enjoyed Good Girl. Uh, Dragons with Coach Radical is great. D- Drilly Rucksack as a singles bangs, um, and yeah, it's a it's, it's a fasc- it's a fascinating album. And can't breathe either. That yeah, that shit knocks. Um, just uh, again similar to A One actually in the phonics. Uh, it's very political, politically driven. Um, just like a social commentary, which I always enjoy. Uh, yeah, very fascinating album. I didn't really. Uh, expect this. I wouldn't say it's. Uh, I I personally prefer Wizville and stuff like that because just uh, that shit is just crazy. Uh, but uh, you know, in general, artistic uh, growth. I find this is an interesting road for Ocean Wisdom to go down. And I uh, I'm looking forward to uh, whatever he has uh, going on uh, on, the, on on especially on the label front, but uh, just in his general artistry as well. So shout out to Ocean Wisdom. And lastly, uh, Vic Spencer, Psychological Cheat Sheet Two. Uh, I've Phil Spencer was one of my uh, favorite um, discoveries from last year. Uh, his album with Sonny Jim, Spencer Fire Three, was on my uh, top twenty albums last year. Really enjoyed the production on that. Really enjoyed just the whole chemistry they both had. Like Vic, 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 Vic Spencer fucking floated on that album. Uh, on this one, it's a little bit different. Uh, there is a general. He has this general vibe of him about him. Uh, he has this real deep and uh like kind of menacing uh tone uh to 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 his um uh, to his delivery which i really enjoy i like that side um regularly talks about weed uh there's always like uh things going on in the background where it just it, it sounds like him just take it uh, having a toe just just, just stop, you would constantly hear that kind of stuff uh the deeper it goes into the album the more um 
<laughs> the more uh, abstract I think it gets uh, conceptually, because uh, there's regular times deeper into the album where, like, uh, I don't know if he's like talking to himself or talking to somebody else who's just as crazy. Um, but yeah, there's like a, I mean, by the title of the album, psychological cheat sheet. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a psychological element to it. Like he's it just there's just something not quite right with him on the album, which is uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a real fascinating concept, I must I must say. So it's, it's a real fascinating concept. So uh, yeah, shout out for Vic Spencer. It's a very interesting listen. Um, <laughs> not exactly uh, regular rotation material, like for specific songs, but as a whole um, body of work, uh, real superb, real, real superb listen, uh, real fascinating stuff. And with that said, we shall jump right into our final artist of Women's History Month celebrations. And you know, at the start, when we when we were forming the, uh, when we realised that we had an extra week for this, I was like, um, you know, just we were just thinking about who to pick. And uh, as you can imagine, because uh, Ben clearly is at this point a fan. Uh, and uh, is I, I keep thinking he's he keeps saying it to me, but I keep he's he keeps saying it in a tongue in cheek way, so I don't exactly know if he's actually a fan or not. <laughs> um, but um, why don't you yeah, why don't you reply uh, to my my voice messages? By the way, I know you're not going to, and I text my friend and I send the voice message, and I'm like, he's not going to reply to this, and I just get crickets. I just get you know. <laughs> Well, I wake up at like 11, that's usually when you send them, and then I kind of like mong out for an hour, so yeah, and then I go about my day, and I'm like, I feel like if I respond closer to when you wake up, I feel like that's better, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, if you want me to respond on the, in the morning, then fine, by <laughs> me, but sometimes I hear your shit, and I'm just like, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> I mean, that's the intent, so, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of re- that's that's lowkey the reason why. But if you if you don't do not feel the type of way, I'm I'm not there. I'm not there. Just a I don't know. I I do respond to people, but I feel like you go to bed. Obviously, you know, twelve hours, uh, twelve hour time so time zone space. So I'm just like, well, he's gonna be asleep in a bit. So what's the point? That's true. Um. So yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my thinking towards it. I usually think you're asleep by the time I wake up. But anyway, um, yeah. So back to my original topic intro. Uh, yeah, we were thinking about just who to pick for the last one, last one of the uh, of the month, because uh, we did have our four locked in. It was like, oh, there's a fifth. Um, this guy uh, introduced uh, suggested Nicki Minaj, and I was just like, but she's but it's Nicki Minaj, like, but but, but he's re- she's retired now, she's retired, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm of the I'm of the belief that um, an artist never retires unless they're dead, and even when they're dead, they have stuff in the vault, so their estate usually uh, drops some stuff, i.e. Jay Diller, etc. etc. Right. In in some ways, artistry is never dead in that fa- in that fashion, un- unless the vault is completely rinsed. But anyway, you get what I mean. I feel like Nicky's going to drop something in less than five years, but that's just me, and I'll happily put some money on that. But uh, you know, Ben claims she's retired, and she said she's quite unquote retired. Uh, same way Ed Sheeran said he's retired and stuff like that. You know, I just never believe it until pretty much until they draw their last breath. But you know. It is what it is. We're here now, and he forced me to listen to Nicki Minaj's discography. To be honest, it was it it was gonna come at some point, so might as well just do it now. And uh, yeah, I'm doing this with a 
with uh, how how do I want to word this? Because I'm trying, I'm gonna try my best not to be biased. And I feel like this episode, and I was thinking about this in the past couple of days, which is so unfortunate. I wish I had this thought earlier in the month, but I really wish we had someone like uh, Junie, for example, friend of Five V, come through for this. Because when I was when I was, and this is kind of where I'll, I'll uh, throw this off to you, Ben. Uh, my general thoughts about Nikki right now, as I've now listened to her entire discography, which admittedly I haven't until this week, um, and was never going to look to until this podcast even existed. And I was like, we're probably going to do Nikki at some point in our lives, but you know, until then I wasn't going to, I was never ever thinking about listening to a full Nikki record. But as I was listening to the records this week, uh, with a mixture of emotions throughout, which we'll get into obviously in a bit. I was just thinking, like, some of the artists that are coming through right now, and uh, it's it's will come through. I'm hoping to talk about this more in the debrief next next week. Um, but as I've been listening in the past month uh, to you know these legendary female artists and stuff like that, you know, when it comes to people like Mary J. Right and MC Light. Like we said last week, we, we we can see the children there. Like in some in some aspects they're like double triple OGs, right? Nikki's a veteran already and uh, and she's only and her career's only, you know, spanned ten or so ten plus years. But even with someone like Junie, um, who uh, I love and you really enjoy as well. Uh, we've said that on the pod before. Shout out to whoever mentioned this uh uh, oh, this yeah, past week, cool. saying they they were listening, yeah, yeah saying they were listening, listening back uh, to previous episodes and uh, uh, discovered Junior off us, which is exactly what we do these weekly roundups for in some ways. Yeah. Um, so you know, shout out to that. Uh, that tweet, but um, yeah, I kind of wish I had someone like her on this episode because she clearly, by her artistry, clearly by her music, is um, a somewhat descendant of someone like a Nicki Minaj, Kelani kind of vibe, right? And <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be doing a disservice in some fashion because I didn't grow up... The only time I grew up with Nicki Minaj is when my sister had Nicki Minaj on in her car. And that's it. And <laughs> from the, the from the songs that have gone through and have been force-fed into my brain, I haven't really enjoyed that much. Um, so... Yeah, this is this is coming from. I just wanted to state that in a in a case that I'm probably not the best person for this episode, but I'm going to try to be as objective as possible. Feel free to call me out, because I will explode, guaranteed on one album. Uh, but the rest of them, I'm gonna <clears throat> try my damnedest to um, give it as much respect as I have with the previous previous weeks and as I do with every uh, single retrospective that we do because it's so easy to take the piss uh, on, 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 on somebody like Nicki Minaj right it's so easy uh, for me who has grown up in this you know obviously when she's been going to come up I've been in my teenagehood and you know all the girls that I knew in some ways listen to Nicki Minaj I'm just like oh Nicki Minaj uh. you know what I mean as, a t- as teenage boys do um, but damn it I'm gonna try so with that said Ben go where you feel well off rip I want to say that I was thinking about this on the car in the car yesterday and it's interesting you just said that you know we've spoken a lot about the women that we've spoken about being marketed to men and at no point do I feel that Nikki was trying to just get 
men to listen to her, you know? And I think that that's like, she was one of the artists who women gravitated towards where, you know, we talked can about... I, can I answer that on why? Why I say, what do you mean? Like why I feel that way or why... Why like, why she had, no, why she hasn't been uh, marketed to men purposefully. Well, albeit purposefully on her front. It's because she had the people with her. She had Lil Wayne, she had Drake and all them people basically supporting her every, every step of the way. So, you know what I mean? Like why... You know, the, her, their, their male fans might come through, but apart from that, what's the what's the? Well, we might. Uh, 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 yeah, her history. Like she had a platform to not dot bother. Her history so. might. Let me let me give her history, and we might circle back to that at the end because I have a theory on that. So, okay. uh, in contrast to what Charlie says, my I'm coming from the opposite perspective. Like this episode is going to come from the heart for me because I have statistics, and I'll use them here to actually prove that Nicki Minaj is the most successful female MC of all time by a huge margin. That's a given. You know, we know that already. But Nicki Minaj mm. was a huge part of my life for a really long time. You know, I heard her on Can't Stop, Won't Stop in 2007 of Drought 3. Uh, Still I Rise, I heard her as well. I heard her about 30 times in 2009 on different songs. And I was I was genuinely hooked because her lyrical ability and her confidence was immense. And whomever she was on a song with, you heard her. You remembered her. You left thinking about... Nicki Minaj and I know a lot of people were introduced to her on Monster and we'll get to that but she had an insane amount of features prior to 2010 between 04 and 09 she rapped on 52 major songs from artists like Lil Wayne, Gucci, Tierra Marie, Yo Gotti, Robin Thicke, Ransom, Max B, Sierra, Neo, Maya, Lil Kim, French, Jadakiss, Pusha T, Jim Jones like there are lyrical legends on that list and Nicki Minaj a thousand percent paid her dues. Like Funk Flex said that before she was around Gucci Mane, she was packing clubs with 2,000 plus people. And Fendi even said before she was around him, she was drawing a crowd. So she put in the work. She grinded as hard as anyone you care to mention. This is not a label plant or a label creation. This is an MC who began at the bottom and clawed her way to the top. Now, when Lil Wayne and Birdman signed her to Young Money, they didn't do it off a hope. They did it off a catalog of insane hard work. And I'll get into that now because I don't have a lot of time for Nikki hate. Like, I'm not going to sit here and defend her all episode. I really would like to uplift her and, and explain to her, explain to people why I feel like she's a legend and why I feel that she created a path. Um, and I really do believe that. Like, I, I do believe fully in her. And her, her backstory is actually very troubled. You know, she was born in St. James. She moved to Queens at aged five to live with her mother. Her mother had just gotten her green card. Her father was a drug addict who actually wants to burn down their house and who tragically passed away recently after being involved in a hit-and-run accident. And Nikki said that her father was was very angry, and she told the New York Times that she would always hear him yelling and cursing and it made her feel like that was the way to interact because that's how she saw, you know, her father figure interacting. But despite the turmoil, Nikki was clearly a star from a young age. She was accepted into the Fiorella H. LaGuardia. Sorry, I've, I've probably not said that name correctly, but it was, a, it was a high school of music and art. And she graduated with the goal of becoming an actress. And she actually appeared in an off-Broadway play in 2001. But it didn't really eventuate. So she kind of bounced around and, and worked a lot of jobs. She told Billboard she was fired like 15 times because she had a horrible attitude. She actually tells a story of when she worked at Red Lobster and she chased the customer out of the restaurant just so she could stick her middle finger up at the customer. 
So she was, you know, she was fiery back then. So she told in an interview once she she had this desire to succeed to help her mother out of her circumstances. And in school, obviously, she thought this would be acting. So she would create these characters and inhabit them. So she named uh, Cookie, Harajuku Barbie, Nicki Minaj, and she said in an interview, fantasy was her reality. So at age 12, she wrote her first bars, and when acting didn't play out like she'd hoped, she actually began performing as a backup singer for local rappers, as well as obviously writing her own material. And she ended up being part of the quartet Hood Stars, which included her partner Safari, and they actually recorded the entrance song for Diva Victoria in the WWE. And uh, in 05, Safari was... Yeah, it was pretty cool. So in 05, Safari was kicked out of the group and Nikki followed him and decided to drop some solo work. So she uploaded some music to MySpace and it was Fendi who came across to her and reached out. And uh, she conferred with some of her people and they assured that he was credible and he signed her to a 180-day contract. And Nikki said that, you know, despite they had some issues, but she said Fendi worked really, really hard for her and Nikki called it a production company, and it looks like she was getting regular gigs, you know, based off this. And like during this process, she came across Waka Flocka's mum, uh, who is who was Gucci Mane's manager, Deborah Antony. And Nikki said she felt it was really important to have a strong woman in her corner. So she actually, you know, she was in New York at the time. She actually bought a place in Atlanta, packed all her stuff up in New York drove a BMW all the way to Atlanta to be around Gucci and Deborah Atney. And she said that it was a hugely influential time for her. And, and to me, this is the time that broke Nicki Minaj. She was already very accomplished on stage and, and interviews and people who were around her at that time say that when she was on stage, she was a performer and she was engrossing big crowds. Uh, but with Gucci taught her how to work and how to grind, he said, oh, she said, sorry, he would call her at nine in the morning, get her to the studio, and all they do all day was just record song after song after song, next song up, next song up. And that's how she ended up on so many songs around this time. Like, it built her a really huge buzz. And to get around Little Wayne, she was on the Come Up DVDs because Fendi was in charge of those. And on one occasion, her and Little Wayne were on the same tape. Now, Wayne had a friend called E who knew Fendi and also knew that Nikki was signed to Fendi. And when Wayne heard Nikki on the DVD, he told E to get him in contact and, and Fendi facilitated it. And it must be said, though, that like, and, and this is the, the part that I don't think people really know about. Like, Little Wayne was saying back in 07, he's like, he's, he's saying that he signed Nicki Minaj. But Nikki said in an interview she didn't even know if it was serious until like 09 because no paperwork happened, no money was exchanged. Little Wayne even kicked her off Young Money at one point because she flew out of a studio session to perform a show. So in the end, Nikki decided to create her own buzz on social media. So she hopped on YouTube and Twitter and started building a following and it got to the point where a bidding war actually ensued. So it wasn't just Little Wayne finding this unknown artist. This is the thing that I, you know, I, I get a little bit upset with is like Little Wayne didn't just discover Nicki Minaj and then pull her out of that and, and put her in front of everyone. Nicki Minaj had a fo- a huge following already by the time she was signed to Young Money. She had many labels interested. Some of them, she said, were going to pay her more than Little Wayne would for Young Money. But she said she stayed with Little Wayne because of all the effort he'd put into giving her some touring time, 
you know, he was playing to 20, 30,000 people and she was opening for him. So she said that she was loyal. And so she stayed with Lil Wayne. And, you know, that laid the groundwork for her mixtapes and eventually her debut album. So her backstory, I, I really want to impress this point. This is not an artist who just came out of nowhere. She'd been working for six straight, solid, hard years before she released her debut album. You know, she really committed to this and she did a lot of work. She was around Gucci, you know, so yeah, I I just want to make that point like before we get to her first album is that, yeah, she grinded for this. This is is a grind. I feel like that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I echo your sentiments on the importance of that. And the importance of all of that, because, uh, you know, it's very easy um, to have somebody, you know, like this and, you know, knowing how uh, ubiquitous she has been in the past decade and not actually, um, you know, with all those people uh, co-signing you, it is very, it could be very easy for, you know, a couple of them to, like, say the same thing and then... You know, you have like two people saying one thing, but you're the person they're talking about. So, and then you say something different and then it's just like, a, you know, who, who he said, she said. Um, so, you know, I feel like claiming your own, uh, I feel like this is a, a lesson in claiming your own history, so to speak, and just claiming your own story. Because a lot of the time, you know, like you said, we can see someone... Uh, just pop up with a debut album and they, you know, hit the charts or whatever, and you're just like, I haven't heard this person uh, ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I said that with uh, someone like Jack Harlow. I, I've, I still haven't listened to any of his music yet, but uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, I know who he is. I'm aware. So, but like, you know, as soon as his album dropped, I was like, wait, 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 who's, who the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty plugged in. I've never heard this fuck. Yeah, I mean, so it's super easy. It's so, so easy to just, like, get in that mode of thinking and just going, like, well, I haven't heard this person, so, <laughs> you know, you just get on your high horse. Um, so, yeah, but, um, yeah, uh, it's, that's, 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 I, I big you up on that part, actually, just of having all that information, because uh, uh, I think out of most retrospectives, it's very <clears throat> uh, easy to just, like, have a general arc I so, so 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 to speak, but uh, for some reason, for someone like Nikki, I just think uh, you know it's, it's not exactly well documented, and mm. uh, I think that's because her studio album work just popped off like like literally like firecrackers. So um, yeah, so uh, it's good, 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 big, big up yourself on that one. That's a uh, pace off on the back. Yeah, I'll talk about that when we get to the end about like you know just the more existential what, part pain of yourself the story. on the back. Well, I might do that. I might do that. I don't do it very often, but I appreciate that. But we'll jump Love into... yourself. We'll jump into her first album. So uh, prior to uh-huh. this, she began blowing up on Billboard. So I Get Crazy went number 20 on the Hot, 20, uh, Hot 100 rap songs. Massive Attack went 65 on the R&B hip-hop charts. She popped up on so many features. She was on a track with Mariah, About My Face. Uh, My Chick Bad with Ludacris went number 11. Bottoms Up with Trey oh, Songs Jesus. went number 6. Uh, obviously Monster, which probably built the most hype of all, and it really showcased her as an MC of the highest caliber, you know, but it was Your Love who really helped propel her album into the stratosphere, and that is a great song. Like, you know, I didn't realize it went number 14 on the Hot 100. The video is really colorful. It's very really narrative-based. A lot of praise for her delivery, her acting. You know, it's a really good song, and 
Pink Friday grew into this commercial force from here. Like, check it out, went 24, right through me, 26. Moment for Life, 13. Super Bass, number three, did it on him, 49. Uh, Fly went 19, Roman's Revenge 56, like she could not miss at this point, but she actually thought she could. So she told Greg Street, and I find this a fascinating quote, she said, they won't look to sign other female rappers because they'll say her buzz was so crazy and if she couldn't do it, then no one can. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm doing this as well for all the girls. I hope that with the success of this album, because I know it will be successful, I believe it will be successful, I hope that this opens doors for all the girls everywhere. And I found that really fascinating because it's like she had a lot of pressure on her before this even dropped. And I think if you're just, uh, if you've just been picked up and popped in and, and like there's not that pressure, but if you've worked so hard and you know this is your moment, I could see that, man. And that's going to be an underlying theme throughout this whole episode, by the way, the pressure on Nicki Minaj. But this album actually had the most singing of her entire career. So 40.5% of her vocals are sung. I thought it would be higher for Roman's, uh, Roman Reloaded, her next album. But I think on this album, she really marries singing and rapping quite well. Now, she said that Lauren Hill is a massive influence on her. And I'm not going to compare them at all. They're completely different artists. But... The way she switches from one to the other, so from rapping to singing, feels like an effort. It feels like she's lifting herself from one genre into another. Now, I think, you know, Nicki Minaj, I don't even know if she would call herself R&B or pop. Um, I would say Lauren more pop, uh, sorry, more R&B and soul. So yeah, there's no, it's not a comparison thing, but like, it feels like both of them, there's a, there's a clear distinction between rapping and singing, whereas a lot of new melodic artists, there's not a clear distinction. Like Uzi's a good example of that. Travis is a good example of that. But um, yeah, a song like Save Me to, is, is probably the closest we get to ambiguity. Like she kind of has this halting elongation of syllables. That was the hardest one I found to analyze in terms of singing and rapping. But the bangers on here, man, they're totally immense. Like I'm the best, Roman's Revenge, did it on a moment for life, blazing. If you have, if you have Drake, Eminem, Rihanna, and Kanye West on your debut album in 2010, like, whoa, man, you got to bring something to the table. You have to bring something Mm. to the table. Like, that is, I don't think we've had an artist in this, uh, these retrospectives, both years that we've done it now, who had that kind of star power on their first album. Like, that is really confronting. That's confronting. I don't know how many rappers have had that in general. Like, anyone on their debut album. So, you know, you've got to really... And she did, man. Like, you know, lyrically, I think it's pretty standard fare for her. Like, I think she can dip into the pop content comfortably because of her singing. And, you know, it definitely does sound like an early 2010s album, but I think it's a little bit more nuanced than her next album. And the ones <laughs> you know, and the ones we usually review, like I think the producer list, uh, Bangladesh, Wizbeats, T-minus, you know, I think and there, there, was some, there were some pop producers in here as well, and I think that that was important. Uh, but, you uh, know, this, this album launched her as a brand, and we'll see how things got a little bit harder after Nicki, sorry, for Nicki after the success of this album, but... I love this album, man. It's the first album, obviously, I heard of her. And, uh, yeah, it's always got a special place for me. How 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 dare you, Ben? You missed out. And you missed out at the best feature. <laughs> Who did I miss? 
you miss I can't believe you mentioned all those people and also put it in the context of 2010 and you didn't say will I am you know absolutely what? <laughs> disgraceful I had I can't here. believe you Ben I had written can't here believe it. that it's more nuanced than the ones we usually review thank the producer list for that will I am was the last on that list and then I was thinking about <laughs> ringling or dingling and I was like I don't know that I can I don't know that I can say this name but Ben, he's on here. He's on here, right? Can't. He's definitely uh, on if here. If you ain't gonna mention it, I'm fucking. <laughs> I mean, he's on here. No you doubt. know, I'm for fucking sure. Um, yeah. So this is um, yeah. Uh, this is, this is, I was actually like low key like scared of this as album because I was just like, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm just not gonna enjoy it at all. I'm just gonna not enjoy it. Um, but actually, you know what? I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not I won't say I'm you know be able to spit it regularly, but like uh, as as objectively as i like to do uh this is a very very well done uh hip-hop slash pop album if that makes any sense but it is what it is it's it's definitely very poppy um as you skirted around a bit um (laughs) like a lot of the a lot of these uh tracks can dip into you know uh bubblegum territory uh but we'll leave that for the next album um but honestly, I do, I do. The only, the one thing I do enjoy about this album actually is uh, more about the, uh, especially the last like third of the tra- of the, of the track list where like, it's 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 in that poppy range, uh, but it's I don't know, but it's endearing. Mm. Um, you know, obviously the first um uh, the first few tracks are very you know, flexy, uh, <laughs> you know, shitty on it's just yeah, you know, just it's, it's very done. It's very it's 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 very um, shall we say dick in your face uh, kind of music. Uh, but you know when it when it when you get deeper into it and get past the um, <coughs> with I am feature, um, it's it's it kind of it kind of gets into an endearing spot. And uh, I actually kind of uh, I wasn't expecting that off of off again first time I've listened to this fully. Um, because when you listen, this is this is something that I've done uh throughout. The, all of the albums, by the way, just to say for my methodology, I've I've completely shoved away the uh, the singles uh, or all the popular songs anyway from all these albums, just because <clears throat> I wanted to you know have the songs that you know the deep cuts in my head more than uh, than obviously just like listening to Super Bass for the 20, 20 millionth time and just going like oh skip 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 don't uh, I just I just moved out of the way straight away um, but yeah. I did, I did enjoy like the 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 flow of this album you know certain tracks 50 minutes um so uh but yeah obviously the features you mentioned uh are great uh in their own way uh I think they all fit I do I really love the Kanye feature on Blazing yeah. actually I really it's enjoyed great, that yeah. more and yeah. obviously and Rihanna on Fly is very uh uh it's very uh young adult teen fiction end of a film kind of <laughs> kind of uh cinematics uh, i really i really like that kind of a a kind of vibe to it but yes yeah, it's, it's a really it's just a really really good pop slash hip-hop album and mm. uh uh <laughs> and uh yeah that's and then and then we can get into the second one if you if you feel well okay well we've got roman reloaded next so in the interim Nikki went on the Britney Spears 2011 World Tour. Uh, 
Uh, she had a remix with Kesha of the Britney song Till the World Ends, which peaked at number three on the Hot 100. She performed for Donatella Versace alongside Prince. She played Super Bass at the 2011 Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. She was nominated for a bunch of Grammys. She ran a VMA. Mattel created a Nicki Minaj Barbie doll for charity. She collabed with MAC Cosmetics. She collabed with the Casio Tricks. She had a nail polish collection with OPI products. She became a brand, you know, and she says that on one of the songs. I'm a brand, bitch. I'm a brand. Um, mm-hmm. And by the time the album dropped, Nikki was ubiquitous. She was ubiquitous at this point. You know, off one album, this is I you know I keep wanting to say, this is this is special. What she's done is special. So Starships drops and creates it caught the wave. Everything sounded like Starships in 2012, but I don't think anything had the sugary explosion of that song. It was it was a euphoric smash. You know, it went number five on the Hot 100, fifth best-selling song of 2012. So the album is a concept in a way. So it's Roman Roman Zelansky, which is the alter ego uh, in charge of this album. And Nikki stated that she actually felt her debut was too revealing and too introspective. And just this was just in her opinion and, and not necessarily... I, I don't think she was saying it like she regretted it. I think she was saying it more like... I don't want to do that on this album. I just want to do something a little bit different. She said it was a bit too self-focused and that on this particular album, she wanted to open up and have a lot more fun to provide people with a more enjoyable listen. And we, I think we got that in spades, man. 40% of her vocals are sung. She has this half and half of the album. So the first half is hip hop. Second half is, you know, electronic dance pop. Uh, I love both sides, man. I honestly do. I'm not, I'm not going to shit on this album at all. I love both sides. Uh, I think I enjoy Nikki's hip hop side more on the repeat listens, but if I'm just putting this on the on in the car every three months, then uh, I skip to the second half because the final half of this album is so sugary. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone doing it at this level. There's just they're insanely stratospheric, stratospheric, sorry, pop songs. Like "Pound the Alarm" might be the most of those. I personally think that her and Big Sean are the only two artists to navigate this void of electronic <laughs> clash because every week we come in BB2. here and somehow there's an album BB2. from every Something. artist that we see and it's just like everyone did <laughs> an album like this at some point, right? The whole of mainstream in 2010s. Big Sean obviously managed it completely differently. You know, dance ass, like... It's a little bit different, but it's similar to Nikki. But I think Nikki leaned all the way into it. Yeah, yeah. But I think you know, Big Sean still, but Nikki really provided genuine dance pop hits. And I think the single choices showed the nature of this record. So the singles were Starships, Right by My Side, Pound the Alarm, and Va Va Voom were all released as singles. Uh, only Bees in the Trap was a single from the rap half with. Uh, Two chains, is it? Yeah, bees in the trap. Yeah, so um, you know, Nikki has a has a nice first in here. She was the first solo female rapper to perform at the Grammys, where she played Roman Holiday at the ceremony in 2012. Uh, she had a whole theme to the performance. She based it on The Exorcist and explained that it was an exorcism of her alter ego, Roman Zelansky, and that only really solidified her brand. Uh, there's some wild stuff on this album, man. Like, come on a cone, obviously. Just an explosion of accents and emotion and silliness. Uh, the title tracks, just a bit of an alien off with Little Wayne, like these tiny verses punctuated by gunshots. And the chorus is onomatopoeia, like creates the sound it's describing. Uh, I think that 
it gives her license to go bonkers on this record, man. Like Whip It is so incredible. I think it's like performance art. It's, it's this immersion. And I think she gets criticized a lot for these moments where people aren't really sure what she's doing. But I think Nikki has been a performer her entire life. Like she was creating characters for herself at school and she wanted to be an actress and she was putting on elaborate stage shows before she was even around Gucci. And I see a lot of storytelling in these these songs. I, she kind of just goes wherever her creativity takes her. So one minute you can have her singing a sugary hook. The next she can drop a register and start rapping double time with wild inflections. Now I fully recognize that this album is not for everyone. You know, this is this is not, it's it's... It's not an album that you're going to be like, this is a hip-hop classic. Everyone has to listen to this once in their life. Like, it's okay not to enjoy this album, but I really enjoy it. I think she really let go, and I think in moments where I've done the same in life, maybe I'm either really happy or really sad, or maybe I'm going for a long run, or I'm working out in the gym, or I just genuinely want to feel silly, I put it on, and it puts a huge smile on my face. I hadn't listened to it for ages until this week. And I put it back on. And I sent Charlie the voice message about coming to cone. I just went bonkers, man. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh, I, I really do love this album. It was really important to me when I was, you know, 2012 when I was younger. So, yeah. Yeah, you can you can you, you feel free to talk as much as you want, but I'm getting these I'm getting these takes off. Like I'm I'm sorry, this this, this podcast can stretch to two hours because Ben's just like uh, just delaying, delaying, delaying. I'm really like, trying. Keep talking, bro. I'm trying. Keep talking. I'm Keep trying. Talking. I'm hoping you get bored enough to just be like, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> what about the pink print? Like, but it's I guess I'm not gonna delay you. Hey, I I will say I, I'm I'm gonna say this right. I'm gonna say this because uh, I want because I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to state for for to everybody here that I am not a hater. Okay, I'm not a hater of Nicki Minaj, right? But and and this and the next two albums, I I'll, I'll spoil it right now. I enjoyed both of them, right? But this album is horrible. It's it's so horrible. I'm sorry, I can't do it. It is it. I was my I I was so stressed listening to this. Cause it's so the the there's such thing as too much bubblegum. I'm sorry, there is such thing. It's it's so sugary. I I I might have diabetes. I'm sorry. I'm, I might have diabetes just from listening to this. The amount of sugar this this album has given to me. Okay. Uh, every song and again, I said this to Ben, uh, which is why I'm saying again. But I said this to Ben uh, while I was halfway through this album. I said to him, I'm kind of impressed in some way, and. The reason why I'm kind of impressed is because there is a song for every single, because because back it because back in those days back in those days right club scenes were popping, like as as we've said several times like around that 2010 2013 era, EDM all of that shit was the shit right and I can imagine because I didn't go to clubs at that point I was too young for that but uh you know clubs must have been hopping. And I, I say that, but you know they they re, they rinse every song for like the of the past five years for in their rooms anyway. So I heard I heard I heard Starships. I heard Starships, even though it dropped like three years before I actually went clubbing. <laughs> so so there you go. But there's every for every song here. There's there's always like a, a just a little bit of a different flavor to it. Like it's still dance pop, you know what I mean? But every time there's just a different 
flavor to it every time which in some ways i'm kind of impressed with because you have that you, you you can get you can get gunshot and that that gives me like them like room two uh tropical uh tropical nights kind of kind of vibes uh you know pounding alarms like that grit that room one like you know just just fucking head banging kind of thing starships obviously for like the i don't know for the cheese night so to speak uh, there's there's a little bit. There's a there's a dance night for every. You you can sp- you can make up a dance night based around like ten of these songs. It's actually kind of impressive. It I uh so I'll give it uh and even and even with that I'm not even talking about the dance tracks. You can have bees in the trap in room two. You could put champion in room two as well. Like you you can you can throw some you can throw them in several rooms and several nights in different clubs. It's fascinating to me in that front, but but. The, they're so they're so out there and and so loud and so 2012 it it makes me want to cry it's 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 so painfully sugary it's so bright it blinds me uh every superlative i feel like i have rinsed already and that's kind of annoying because I think Ben has actually uh, suffocated me with all his talking, honestly. Because I just <laughs> listened to this, I just, I just listened to this album. And I can't, I can't exactly wrap my head around how, how firstly how I managed to listen to it all. Um, it, it, and now, now that I'm trying to think about it, it's coming across as one, like eating a whole sugar cube, it, just one big ass sugar cube. Delicious. That's all, that's all I. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're a, if you're an ant, like <laughs> fucking, uh, if you're a bee or something, yeah, yeah, ah, be, bees in a trap, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, go away, um, and and it's an, and it's annoying, and this is kind of an, another reason. I'll leave it here because this is kind of the reason why I find this album so annoying is because of all of the other things we talk about when it comes to Nicki Minaj and the lyrical side of her, right? I enjoy that kind of sh- I enjoy that side of her. Right, and the reason why, uh, uh, one big reason that is kind of hidden throughout the, you know, su- you know, b- behind all the, uh, I might have diabetes. Listen to this, right? Kind of obviously uh, exaggeration that I'm clearly doing here, right? The reason why, the chief reason why I don't enjoy this album is because it's just lyrically just, just, it, it, it's 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 pushed to the side, right? And I get it. You can't deliver, you know, the hardest bars on, uh, on. on whip it right I'm not, I'm not expecting you i'm not expecting you to and i said to ben i said to ben just before we record i enjoy, i <laughs> i find stupid ho funny because at least it's because it, for one thing it's lyrical which i enjoy but obviously because of the uh the 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 uh of the of the concept that ben was delivering there uh, I just find it amusing. I, I just found it really funny. In the same way I find, and I, I'm, you beat me to it, mentioning Big Sean, because for Pink Friday and Rome Reloaded, I really think of Hall of Fame and, uh, what was his first album's name? I forget. It's Hall of Fame or something else. Uh, finally Made It? Yeah, Finally, so, finally famous. famous. That's it. Finally yeah. Famous. Yeah. Those two albums, like, they both, they, they these four albums just parallel to me. It's so freaky to me. As I was listening to this, I was just like, Bruv, this is like a dance ass, like, but times twenty. Like, it literally is. And obviously, on the on that album, there was some cringe as well. But I just chose not to remember it. Um, so yeah, I I just, and also the the British shit. I can't. I'm. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's not. It, it's. <laughs> I know it's not supposed to be perfect, but fuck. 
it's just so grinding to my uh, to my sensibilities. I don't know why, but it just it just grinds me. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't know. I just don't like. I I enjoy Nikki because I know she's lyrically talented, and just listening to this just makes me like I, I don't know. Uh, it makes me feel a type of way, uh, uh, and kind of just disappointed in a way. But then again, she's not shooting this for me, yeah. so in that case it doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's kind of chiefly why past the exaggeratives. Uh, uh, I don't really enjoy this album. That's an interesting point. Like you know, the 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 big issue around this, and I'll talk about it before we get into the next album. But like, was around the whole uh, Ebro Rosenberg thing where she didn't she pulled out a summer jam in 2012 because Rosenberg said that starships wasn't real hip hop. And that was a huge conversation around this time. And I was always very confused by it because it's pretty clear that this album was not that, you know, if you're, if you're out there listening to, I don't know, like starships is not a hip hop song. It's a, it's a, it's not. So I, no. I don't understand the, that criticism. That's a, I felt like that was a very silly criticism. Like, yeah, we know, she has hip hop songs on the album though. Like what what what's your point there? Like so I never really understood you know, it's it's not it's not for people. I, I totally understand that, but like I feel like she was slammed so much back in the day just for this kind of stuff and it just didn't really make sense to me. It's like that's cool, it's not it's not your deal. So, you know, just keep it moving. But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just found it that fascinating. I I, I mean I saw what I'm saying, right? But I mean, it's out. Uh, it's out. No, 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 no. Like we're doing a podcast, so you're you're fully w- welcome to deliver your opinion on it. That's totally fine. We're doing right. a retrospective on Nicki Minaj. But like, I never really uh, understood uh-huh. the criticism of her around this time. It's like, okay, that's that's cool. It's, it's not for you, but like, just keep it moving. It's, I, I didn't understand that. Like, you know, that was a big thing just before the pink print when she got she she left Summer Jam, and yeah, I think that I might okay. just jump in to to pink print because I think a lot of the defensiveness in her career came around this time. Like she obviously was massive. She got even bigger in between. Like she was on Ice Age, Continental Drift. She voiced Steffi. Uh, she dropped the re-up, which expanded her last album. She was the subject of an e-documentary called My Truth. She was a judge on American Idol. She became the most charted female rapper in Hot 100 history. First rapper to win Best Female Hip Hop Artist four times. She was placed on Forbes' hip-hop cash king list in 2013, the first female rapper to ever achieve this feat. Uh, she was in the movie Other Women, uh, Other Woman, sorry, The Other Woman, uh, which grossed nearly $200 million at the box office. So it set the scene for a very interesting third album. And I find this whole narrative now very interesting. So she told MTV that she'll be delving into some deep shit, that's her words, and it was clearly going to be a continuation of the introspection of her first record, but you'd be forgiven for a little bit of skepticism when she dropped Anaconda as the second single. Uh, that went number two, remains her highest charting solo song. It's also interesting to remember the controversy around the clip. It reminds me of the clip being too explicit. That reminds me heavily of what Megan and Cardi went through recently. Uh, Anaconda was actually yeah. nominated for Best Rap Song at the Grammys. She lost to Kendrick's I, I, so that was interesting. Yeah, the controversy was, yeah. I mean, so we get the album. 
It's a different vibe to Anaconda. Uh, it's a different vibe to Roman Reloaded. She said that she had grown as a writer and she was able to tap into emotions and events that felt off limits to her previously and that it was an emotional roller coaster. And listening to the record, you can feel that. So the first three songs, I feel are the deepest that Nikki's been in her whole career. All Things Go really laid her cards on the table, you know, talking about her abortion, her relation. I think it was her abortion. Please, if I've got that wrong, we'll cut that. But like um, her family, the death and the loss she's experienced. She talked about her cousin Nicholas losing his life. Uh, She defended herself against the criticisms being leveled at her. And that was a huge part of this record and Queen. Uh, She says, I'm not difficult. I'm just about my business. I'm not into the fake industry parties and fake agendas. Uh, I feel like after the first three songs, the album drifted a little bit. I like these songs, but I felt a little bit cut off from the emotion of the beginning. You know, I feel like that emotion didn't really pick back up till By a Heart with Meek Mill. I thought that was a very good song. Pills and Potions, obviously, Grand Piano, Bed of Lies, all very emotional songs. And I think essentially Nikki did a good job of balancing all aspects of her artistry on this record while still delivering something new and exciting. So, you know, she she still had all those touch points from her previous two records that built her fan base, but she went somewhere new with it. And the depth she goes in is the new part for her. That's new territory. But Anaconda, Only, Feeling Myself, Fordor, Aventador, those are the touch points from prior. And I think Nikki was in a really difficult period with this record, you know, in terms of artistically. She did a lot on Roman Reloaded. She turned the volume knob up to 11 on that and left it all on wax. And it can be hard to know how you follow that. And I actually think she did wonderfully well and showed a lot of bravery on this album. You know, for someone who speaks often about playing roles on record, she really lifted the veil and led us into some of some very dark parts of her life. And she did that at the peak of her commercial success. So she knew everyone would be tuned into this album, you know. And I think this wasn't a few Lucys that she snuck out. She put all things go right at the very start. And Pills and Potions was the first single. And I felt like that showed a lot of bravery. And I personally think The Pink Print is her best album. You know, it's I think it's her best album, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably agree. Um it's it's clearly a toss up between <laughs> this and Queen for me, um, but yeah, I, I I can I can I can see why you say that, and I, I agree in some ways. Um, yeah, I, I I I this is kind of just the the album I was looking for, I guess. In in in, uh, well, I'm not even what I was looking for because I was never looking in general. But like the it was the album that I uh, I would have liked to see. It, okay, if I was looking for, for it, this is what I would have liked to see because. Um, a lot of time in real time like thinking about Nicki Minaj in real time for me um it's always like a lot of uh uh a a lot of uh there's a lot of sheen right there's a a lot of sheen to it and as we've as we said uh especially last week and we'll definitely get into the debrief like you know there's a lot of bullshit that comes around that, that that circulates around female artists especially ones the higher they go just the more bullshit that circulates around them um you know uh, the the you know the the stuff you were talking about with ebro and that and summer gym mm. like that's that's just that's that's bullshit like it's just it's that's uh, like okay well it's not uh, okay, the album's not hip-hop but it really like if you if you if you class that as hip if you class the uh, their own reload as hip-hop then clearly you just 
Like you're you're not listen you're, you didn't listen to it like you it's just seen Nicki Minaj and like oh it's a hip hop album it's not supposed to be it's a blend, it's a dance pop yeah. album I mean it's a blend it, like, I think the, it's, I mean, it's a dance pop album there's it's, sixty it's sixty percent of her vocals are rapping so like I'm not against calling it a hip hop okay, album but right, I'm right, you know right, if you're gonna right, call okay. Starships a, a hip hop if you're gonna say Starships isn't okay. a real hip hop song. Uh, 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 all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting because I'm feeling like you popped a shot at me there before, and no, I'm, no. I'm still trying to think about no, it. No, no, you no, that wasn't, shot, but... that wasn't at you, Charlie. <laughs> Honestly, no, 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 it wasn't at you at all because we're doing a retrospective uh, uh, and we, we have every right to talk about the way we feel about these albums. I was just talking about like the uh, way that she's become more defensive because. If you think Starships is going to be a hip hop song, then I don't really know what to say to you. It's a pop song, like you know. So yeah, that okay. was well, that was uh, my well, my point. Sure, sure. Uh, and in uh, you know, in another comparison, like you know, I I could I could make an argument for Damian Marley being hip hop, but he's obviously a reggae artist. But anyway, um, going to this album, yeah, uh, it's it's. I echo pretty much all the same as you said. Uh, uh, in terms of lifting the veil, it's uh, it was very interesting and uh, very refreshing. Uh, I feel like I, I feel I feel like this some this this has to be like a necessity for female artists when I don't feel like it should be. But uh, in my mind, it's always appreciated because I'm always I'm I'm someone that really likes to uh, see someone's story wholesale right like get a 360 view of their life and not just like the uh the 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 posturing side of clearly what hip-hop is was has been and forever will be um you know there's always gonna be that side of just like look at my chains look at my rings like uh look how many numbers i'm getting you know i mean stuff like this all that flexy stuff right but i'm always i'm always interested in other artists um uh in, in artists showing that 360 view of like you know i've been through some shit um and and for some reason i feel like there's more onus on uh on female artists especially to do that more maybe i'm not sure maybe that's me um but uh anyway yeah i i, I really appreciate this album in a lot of ways uh <laughs> i actually do not mind the singles in in many of the fashions i really enjoy feeling myself uh, I I I like uh, only I, I, mean, right. I I love truffle butter. The beats of truffle butter, bangs, bangs. bangs. You like truffle I butter, do you, Charlie? Bro. You enjoy truffle butter. Ha <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. See, see, he did. So, guys, he did this. Uh, I said this beforehand. I said this like yesterday, and he was like, "You do know what truffle butter means, right?" And I was like, "Yes, Ben." I know what truffle butter means. Like, how old are you? Like, hey man, on. we've all got our um, kinks. We've all got our kinks. You do you. No, man. no, no, no. You do you. No, stop it. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. And uh, yeah, uh, Grand Piano. I actually never listened to that track before, and I was just like, okay, this yeah. is different. <laughs> um, I did not expect a, a full-on fucking uh, fucking ballad to come through yeah. uh, as a finish uh, to the normal edition. Obviously, there's deluxe edition and international deluxe edition as well. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was kind of fascinating as a, as a finish. And uh, as a side note, it's so weird. I keep seeing Skylar Grey on features, and I've never heard of her actual music. It's just one of those things. Have you ever found that weird? I, I yeah, I've never listened yeah. to That's a Skylar Grey album, to be honest. I've, seen <laughs> I've just never seen her promoted as a solo artist. I, I keep seeing her on features, so I'm just like, has anybody actually like seen her albums? But anyway. Again, that's probably not my world, and I'm not actively looking. I probably can look, Google it up right now. She probably has like seven albums. She only has two albums, um, so yeah. Okay, not... well, there you go. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah, so it's a pinprint, man. I actually really... um. Uh, it was a, it was a real interesting uh, 
go through, especially when you uh, when you did what I didn't take out all the singles. It really made for actual very uh, cohesive and a very uh, revealing uh, uh, piece of work. Yeah, well, then we get to Queen. Uh, there's another big interim here, so she won heaps more awards. She became the first female rapper to chart four songs simultaneously in the top 10 of the R&B hip-hop chart. She got a wax figure in Madame Toussaint. Madame Toussaint's. She appeared in Barbershop 3. She signed with a modeling agency. She broke the record for the most Hot 100 entries by a female artist ever. She opened the 2017 Billboard Music Awards. She became embroiled in a beef with Remy Ma. And I think it was a really wild four years. And we were all wondering what she was going to do with her next album. And the landscape was way different in 2018. Sorry. And I think Queen is really indicative of that. I think female rappers are so badly mistreated in the industry that it's no surprise to me that Nicki would be defensive and assertive on this record and in interviews. You know, the Cardi B versus Nicki de- debate was raging thanks to Bodak Yellow going number one and Invasion of Privacy being a commercial force. And mm. when Nicki dropped her debut album eight years prior, this was not a thing. You know, all the, the women that we've spoken about so far, commercially, they weren't at that level. They weren't putting out number one albums anymore. Even Missy had taken a hiatus. And so... In 2010, there was there was no one on that level. You know, Iggy had a bit of a moment in 2014, but that still wasn't a number one album. And it didn't continue. And I think that, you know, Nicki's commercial success was, was like larger than almost all the male rappers around this time as well. You know, in fact, I think only Drake really from 2010 to 2015 was on that level. So when Nicki came back in 2018... It was to a constructed beef, which was once again constructed by the industry to sell records and create drama. And Queen dropped in stages. You know, Chun Li and Barbie Tings would drop their street singles. Uh, Bed with Ariana was the the typical pop sung song. Barbie Dreams was the kind of novelty single in the same mold as Anaconda. It was a lot different to that, but it had that kind of like playful feel about it. And in interviews prior to the album, you could feel the pressure. You know, she actually said it was her best body of work. She said it was an album that people will never forget. She said it was a billion times more epic than anything Anaconda could have been. So she said also everything was coming full circle, that she'd figured out Nicki Minaj and wanted to deliver that knowledge. To me, the album feels a lot more like an assertion than a dissection. So I think Ganja Burn is a really vital song. I think that's a great way to open the album. It's, it's a real vibe and it puts you in an interesting headspace. And then we get Majesty with Eminem, which I felt is pretty standard. This is what I kind of mean about the assertion. She raps, I got the money and the power now. The G5 will get me there in an hour now. The Mac moving like crack, I'm selling powder now. Game over, locker room, hit them showers now. I got the trophies in the catalog. Just did a deal, Mercedes Benz, check the catalog. I'm buying buildings, we don't buy the blogs. So, you know, on hard white, she raps, they know I'm the queen. I still didn't pick an heiress. And she also said, I'm the billy goat. So I think, you know, it doesn't really get intense till I thought I knew you. Uh, But on that song, and when I say intense, I mean emotional. I think Nikki, you know, she only provides the hook on that song. But I think that song is really important in the whole scheme of this. She told DJ Who Kid in an interview that she had verses on there. 
but she took them off because she didn't want to put anyone on blast. And to me, that's the crux of this album. Nikki laid her heart bare on the pink print, and whilst it was received well, it didn't go number one, and it didn't hit the commercial peaks of her previous two albums. And I could see that being a difficult thing for her to reconcile. When you feel connected to people, and you're trying to give them a bit more of yourself, and it's consumed a little bit less, that might be a little bit challenging. Now, obviously, I don't say that about Nikki's fans. Nikki's fans are incredibly devoted. I meant more the greater listening public, you know? And so much had happened between Pink Print and Pink Print, sorry, and Queen. Like Nikki was so much more in the spotlight. Like the Meek thing, the Drake thing, the Remy Ma thing. It was, you know, it was so much more drama than what she'd experienced prior, you know, where basically it was just her relationship to Safari was spoken about a lot, but it wasn't headline news every single day. And I think, understandably, she retreated on this record. I think she, I recognize why she can be defensive in interviews and, and so assertive, because I think the way she's treated is has been bullshit. Every interview I watch with her, and I'm going to get into a little bag here, the interviewer is stirring up drama. I sent some shit to Charlie. It's like, it's, it's every interview. She's visibly uncomfortable on numerous occasions. Often it's mundane or inflammatory questions about beefs or ghostwriters or other women in rap or relationships. She did a documentary around the Anaconda video and she said her schedule was literally booked out every single day until her album dropped with promotional activities. And if you're going to each one of those, knowing they're going to ask you about some bullshit, but knowing you have to do it because you need to promote your music, when all she seems to really want to do is, you know, is say, listen to the album, I've put it on the album, I can see how frustrated she got. And I think Queen is a result of that. You know, the, the unencumbered fun of Roman Reloaded is gone by this point in her career. And that makes me sad. That genuinely makes me sad. And I think the depth and introspection of Pink Print has shut down. I also think that makes me sad. You know, it's a defensive, that's a defense mechanism. And so we get a very technically proficient album, one that's very easy to listen to, but it's just not, mm. it's not the same. It's a little bit different. And I, you know, I yeah, I just think... That's, that's how I view the album. That's how I would dissect the album. And it frustrated me a little bit. Researching this episode, interview after interview after interview, and they're like, do you write your own bars? You can understand why people think you don't write your own bars. What about Meek? What about Safari? What about Drake? What about Cardi? And she's sitting there, and I'm just like, why am I watching this again and again and again? What is going on here? So this album, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me when it dropped, but it does now. As a, uh, I want to, I want to slightly piggyback on that um, and make a comment about just like I think I think there's a weird thing with like US radio stations and just like that kind of world um, where on the back of you talking about the interviews and stuff like that and you know this is kind of why I don't watch many interviews on in that kind of world um, because of the there's this like. I don't know, there's like this combative nature to it. Like, you, you, you're supposed to be just interviewing the person, right? And I'm not saying, like, you, you shouldn't, like, you know, uh, you know, poke, you know, poke the bear, so to speak, or, like, you know, just, like, uh, um, or, uh, you know, ask, quote-unquote, tough questions, right? You know, that's, that's, I get that, right? And that's, 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 that's all well and good, you know? I, I, I've, said, I've said to you several times where, like, uh, uh, someone gets someone on a show and, like, uh, bet they won't ask about this, you know what I mean? So... Uh, in some ways, uh, it's it's kind of a necessity, but when it when it comes to something like you know uh, Nikki, especially, um, you know, she's probably one of the 
biggest uh, examples of this kind of uh, of this kind of shit going haywire um is uh, when when someone grows up in like radio or uh, or music especially uh, or, and, and then goes into radio either way right they come across as just like this uh i don't know just we're here to try and get a rise out of you it's like a game show like can i piss off this person like it's, it's kind of what it comes down to a lot of the times a lot of the time and sometimes it just well a lot of the time that just jars me um you know you can you can bet i'm talking to better spit especially specifically uh you can shit on zane low all you like but at least he you know goes to that person's wheelhouse uh most sometimes and you know and just talks to them about the music and you know how they did the music and stuff like that uh you know Obviously, there's a lot of other crap stuff that Zeno does in general and his general vibe. But, you know, at least it's that. At least when I listen to a Zeno interview, I know I'm just going to be hearing about the tunes and, you know, maybe some of the bullshit. But, you know, it's mm. not going to be in a combative way. That's fair. Um, but when it comes to, like, you know, Funk Flex and Charlemagne and Breakfast Club, all that kind of stuff, I'm just like you're literally just trying to spend 20 minutes trying to piss off this person. And mm. it's just like, I'm just like... I mean, sure, we might get a meme out of it, but, you know, it's just a... It, it gets a bit tiresome at times. But anyway, um, I just wanted to comment on that because you uh, made me think of it. But, um, yeah, I enjoy, I, I enjoy this album uh, mostly. Uh, and I didn't mention the Ariana Grande feature on Pink Print. I fucking love that. That was really great. Um, they, they And she does it again on bed, on bed here on this album. Uh, I don't know. I just really like their chemistry on, on when they collab together. It's really... Uh, it go, it, they they go really well together uh, in, on on ch- on track for, on wax for some reason. Um, you know the weekend on thought I knew thought I knew that was great. Uh, I really enjoy- for a six minute ten track uh, featuring Sway Lee. I thought I'd fucking hate it on the fa- on the pa- on the paper. I would have ha- <laughs> I would have skipped, but I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Apart from uh, Sway Lee's uh, vote. Uh, uh, Especially his verse, where like he sounds like he's just been kicked on the nuts. I'm like, like calm down, bro. But anyway, um, and uh, I don't know if it was on this album. I think I think it was on this album. Um, no, I think it was on the previous album. But yeah, uh, I've, I've missed my point. I missed my mention on that. But anyway, uh, continuing on. But uh, yeah, once it got past Chun Li, I got a bit. Uh, it came a bit. I don't know. It got a bit same same to me, uh, you know stuff like a uh, Nip Tuck and LLC, and I was just like, yeah, it's cool, it's calm. Uh, it's funny I say that, right? Because you know these these have bars on them, right, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, once I ask for it, and then then I'm just completely chewed out. <laughs> I'm not chewed out, but you know, what I mean, I'm just, it's just it just gla- it just becomes a bit into the background for me. Um, I guess that's more um, a comment on the production than anything. I feel like personally. Um, <clears throat> But you know, it comes back uh, with the uh, I enjoyed uh, I I enjoyed Sir, and that track. And this is another side note for me personally. I'm sorry, I have to do this, but uh, this track perfectly exemplifies why I do not respect Future as a as a rapper. I I just can't. Nicki Minaj comes through on here with actual wordplay, like it's, it actually slaps. Uh, I'm in the playoffs, sir. I advance, sir. These niggas broke. They ain't got no plans, sir. I call them sway. They ain't got no answer. Our shot, sir, with no chaser. It, that, that's that's wordplay, right? And we get and we understanding that all of these, the, you know, the point, of the concept of this track is all about, you know, say say, sir. But literally every time, futures on here just says sir. 
and it's just anything else, sir. And it has nothing to do with the actual concept of the word sir, and it pisses me off, so future sucks. Anyway, um, past that. But yeah, past that, uh, the album's pretty solid. I feel like the mid, like the mid to into the last third gets a bit slow for me, um, production-wise. It gets a bit same-same. I do enjoy Ga- Ganja Burn, uh, Majesty with Labyrinth. You didn't mention Labyrinth, so shout out to Labyrinth on the yeah, production. Shout out Labyrinth, that yeah, shout Labyrinth, yeah. On that bit. Um, that, that, that really comes off as a, a Labyrinth track to me. Um, and then Eminem did the second half of that track for me. Um, Barbie Dreams was funny. Uh, that was very uh, comical. I, I enjoyed that kind yeah, of Yeah, I rate that side. a lot. That's a great song. Yeah, that, that, that was good. Um, and yeah, the Ariana Grande, We Can Feature, Sway Leaven, uh, Chun Li Slaps, Love Chun Li. That's a banger. Yeah, it's a great um, song. Yeah, what about, so, uh, uh, yeah, what about just, Coco Chanel just, with, with Foxy? How'd you feel about that one? Loved it. Yeah, yeah loved it's great. It. Um, yeah, Foxy's come through. Yeah. Bangs the beat, out. Like, the real beat good. is heat. Yeah. Yeah, beat, beat's real here. So yeah, man, I I, really, I, I enjoy this album for, uh, for for the majority of it. I would say uh, I prefer this album in terms of like slapping on a few songs. Uh, I probably would. I'd I'd, put, I'd have more regular rotation picks on here than the Pink Print, but I feel like the Pink Print's obviously in, uh, a better album in uh, in the ways we obviously uh, mentioned before. Rank them up, rank them up. What you got? Queen, well, back uh, Queen, Pink Print, Pink Friday, <laughs> and all the way down there is probably dang. Like... <laughs> dang. <laughs> that was easy. Like honestly, you didn't even have to ask me for ranking, bro. That's the easiest rank of all time. But yeah, all right, all right. Well, we can. Yeah. Uh, I want to just jump in quickly to the end because uh, yeah, I want to just sum it all up a little bit. So, yeah, no yeah, one. No one has done what Nikki's done, okay? She has 40 top 40 singles, most of any female rapper, second most for all women in music, 114 total Hot 100 entries, the sixth most in history, second most of all women in music, fourth most consecutive weeks in the Hot 100 ever with 207. She was on the the Hot 100 for 207 weeks in a row. First female rapper to go number one in the UK album charts. Only female rapper with two Billboard 200 number one albums. She spent the most weeks on the Billboard 200 and Hot 100 of any female rapper by a long, long way. She won the most awards of any female rapper. She has 110.5 million RIA certifications. That's just in the US. No one's done what she has done. And this is not easy to maintain. If you think about all the years of grind she did to get this opportunity, the way she flipped that opportunity into numbers that are basically only bettered by Taylor Swift who is a superstar pop star. There's only Taylor Swift really ahead of her. Consistency too, man. She's only released four studio albums. Her stats read like she's dropped double that. So many songs she touched became a hit because she was on them. And all the while she was enduring, enduring, and this is important, some of the most difficult conditions to be successful within. The industry creating beefs, people focusing on her relationship breakdowns. She had to endure a lot. And the lane that she carved out for the first seven years of the decade is now open. It's open, you know? And I think that rather than uplifting her for the work she's done and the digging she had to do to create that pathway, people question if she fell off and wondering if she'll ever come back. And if she does, will she achieve the peak she did before? I mean, I don't don't understand this concept. Like, who cares? If she comes back and sells 50K first week and goes number eight, that doesn't mean anything. She's already a legend and an icon to me, and her back catalogue is proof that her legacy will prevail. I think we're in this weird period where legends, around that 10-year mark, it's like it's unreasonable to expect anyone to be hitting the peaks they used to. 
And everyone seems to be wondering if they fell off, but I feel like it's a real shallow-minded measure of success because commercial success no longer equals success for someone who has already climbed to the top and, and set a new standard. Like, they don't have to keep setting a new standard. It's like the Kid Cudi discussion we had with uh, the Travis Scott thing. Like, Cudi already created a whole sound. He doesn't need to bring a brand new sound on every single album he drops. You know, and I, I think that Nikki doesn't need to set a new peak every time she drops. It's unreasonable to expect that of anyone. And I don't think we expect it of male rappers. You know, when Jay-Z sells 250k first week, we're celebratory. When Nicki Minaj sells 20k less first week than her previous album, people criticize. And I think that's a bit silly. And I think that's contributed to her withdrawal from the limelight, along with starting a family, which is amazing. You know, she she's she's done that and, and that's amazing. And honestly, I wish her all the best. And I hope this episode has shown in some way the path that she carved out, you know, the lane that she created, the barriers she broke down, because I think the impression I get from having researched this episode is that, you know, no artist aside from maybe 50 Cent that we've done a retrospective on has faced more pushback from unseen and seen forces. Now, I'm not saying that people wanted to push Nicki Minaj down and wanted to blackball her and wanted to stop her from succeeding, but, like, you know, I've been... uh, I wouldn't say critical, but I've been confronted sometimes by the defensiveness that she's shown in, in interviews and on songs. And it was because I was uninformed. And the more I informed myself during, you know, the research for this episode, the more it made total sense. You know, the Funk Flex interview was was awkward. I, you know, it was an hour and a half of awkwardness. I'm like, why are you harping on about ghostwriting and stuff like that? Like, you know, it made she she actually had to call up someone from the from the Hood Stars from the very first group she was in, and be like, have I ever accepted bars written by someone else? And the person's like, no, you would never do that. But but it was like a half hour thing in this whole interview. I'm like, why? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Nicki Minaj is a legend and she'll go down as such. But I think maybe it's a bit too soon for that conversation. But I think it shouldn't be. I think it should be had now. And I uh, I fully respect everything she's done. And um, she's a huge part of my life too. Like, you know, huge part of my listening early on in my my listening career. So um, massive shout out to Nicki Minaj. Always love for Nicki Minaj. Yeah, that's great. That's a great finish. I've, uh, well, I always have something to say, but I'll leave it there for respect. Um, but yeah, so it's going to set up an interesting debrief next week, I must admit. Um, cause I'm, I'm very I'm very much looking forward to that because I feel like this uh, um, adds a different dimension compared to the rest of them uh, that we've done uh, this month. And, uh, you know, with that said, guys, hope you've enjoyed this uh, past few weeks. Uh, past few weeks. Uh, we've, you know, uh, we said, I said to a uh, shout to homeboy who tweeted us uh, this past week, um, you know, I, I said to him, like, we learn science every time, every week, uh, every week we could do the, uh, do the show. So as long as you guys, as long as you guys learn something um, on, on the back of just, generally messing with us and then then we've uh, you know succeeded in our goal so you know what i mean so uh, and i feel like uh, this one uh has definitely delivered uh, a lot on that front so uh but i said we shall between light and note and uh ben i am very very tired about uh consumerism um i watched a video uh, shout out to George Monbiot, uh, a journalist here in the UK, uh, does really good work uh, across uh, many spectrums, and he did a video for a Double Down News uh, about consumerism, and uh, this this 
literally as soon as I as soon as I watched it, and it's about eight minutes. Um, you know, it's a real it's a real good video, real uh, interesting, uh, very informative uh, opinion. Um, but as soon as I as soon as I watched it, everything I saw was just like uh, the amount. I just I'm just a bit overwhelmed by like how much consumerism there is. <laughs> it's really really jarring me. Like every time I, I I click on a YouTube video, it's like three ads are saying. I'm just like fuck. And and then and the worst times has been in the past couple of days where like I've seen uh, two examples I'll give. Uh, one was when uh, Tamika Mallory, who is a uh, activist uh, in the US, uh, you know, re- recently was in the news uh, for uh, you know being in the uh, the little baby Grammy performance, and I talked about that on uh, uh, last week's uh, What's Good um, of how cringe that whole thing was. Um, and how performative it was, and how just, uh, I don't know, just distasteful it was, uh, overall, like, ask, and I, I, a lot of people ask that question, who is it, who's this for, um, uh, you know, when, when people watch it, it's just, there's no, there's just no audience for that, it's just creepy, um, and Tamika Riley was right there, like, uh, near the end, uh, with Killer Mike, just standing there, uh, and, Samaria Rice, I think that's her name, uh, mother of Tamir Rice, uh, basically pop shots at her, uh, and uh, others like Sean King and them uh, for basically profiting off um, you know off uh, their activism so to speak and I saw a video an ad a literal ad of her um, you know talking about her story you know black women empowerment etc etc and the whole thing was sponsored by Cadillac and I'm just like what <laughs> like no like, no no that's no and then and this is and this is something that I've I've seen and this is not the first time this person has done, has done this um it definitely won't be the last um but it just I don't know but now that I've seen that video of uh, consumerism it's just it, it it really jars me uh Nas did a video for Hennessy and it was like writing about like uh you know black owned businesses and talking about Tulsa 1921 uh you know and all that empowerment stuff same same stuff same stuff and it was and it was just Hennessy all over it and I'm just like it just, it just, it's, it it doesn't make me feel good. It does, it does not make me feel good. And I understand. And this is the thing. Like, it's so consumerism is so ubiquitous now. It's, it's practically unstoppable. Um, you know, sponsoring podcasts, like stuff like that. Like, it's, it's everywhere. Every single time I listen to a podcast, there's a minute break of this person talking about this thing that I don't want to cop, and I'm immediately trying to skip thirty seconds several times. Like, there's, there's, there's some podcasts where there's, like, two minutes of ads and I'm pressing skip four times. I should not be pressing skip four times for 30 seconds at a piece, right? It, it's it just, I understand people need to get a bag, but it kind of makes a, I don't know, there's something deeper here where, like, you can't have a podcast and not just enjoy the fucking thing. Like, there needs to be a sponsor for it, um, and you need to make money off it. Like, I'm not earning money off this. I'm not making money off anything I do at this point in time. But I'm fucking enjoying it, right? And that's, and that's, all, and that's all well and good. Um, but I, I just don't see why people are doing... Why people need to do this. I don't think Nas needs Hennessy money. Um, and Tamika Mallory, who, you know, is doing the, all this, you know, in some ways good work. But there's no point in doing it if you're getting sponsored by Cadillac. 
Like uh, I saw a tweet the other day, I think today or yesterday, it was like Malcolm X was like offered fifty mil to to you know to uh, to like lessen his stance on things, and he basically rejected it. Like fifty mil, <laughs> fifty mil. He could have he could have gone. He could have hooked his family up for life, and he just and he decided not to on principle. Like that's why we put people like Malcolm X on a pedestal and and that's extra poignant because I've been listening to his autobiography uh narrated by Lawrence Fishburne and it fucking slaps and like seeing his seeing his life that is never ever covered like the first few chapters of it like the shit he did woo mad things um it, it's literally like a, a two a, a, a person has lived two lives literally um and we've only seen one of that but uh, bro consumerism just really is really like I don't know. Uh, once I saw that video the other day, I was just I was just constantly seeing it now, and it's really and it's really making me upset because <laughs> it's just fucking everywhere. Everything's sponsored by everything, and it's it's nearly impossible to get away from. And it just uh, I don't know. It just makes me feel a type of way of like how can anybody navigate this without being like sponsored by a corp corporation? It's just ugh. It just leaves a real bad taste in my mouth. When I was um when I was studying marketing at university, they had this term where you put your marketing glasses on. So you see the world through that lens. You see the world through right. how do I create a want or create a need or, you know, and and it just opened the whole world up to recognize it. Even back then, in two thousand seven, we were being marketed yeah. to pretty much constantly. Now it's way yeah. worse because you know <laughs> you might think you might think that what you're seeing on your Instagram feed is organic. It is not. I can absolutely guarantee you, like, I know how the algorithm, I don't know how it works, but I know when it doesn't work. And right now it is not working for me because I'm not paying for any kind of promotion. And so I'm getting like 1%, 2% of my engagements coming from people who aren't following me. When I was hot, I was getting, you know, 80%, 90%, but I'm not cool anymore and I haven't paid for any promotion. So they're not going to put me in the feed. It's the same with, you know, I don't think Twitter's as bad with the pay for promotion, but like... You just have to go, you know, I was talking to my friend yesterday about the Bieber album. And then as soon as I opened Spotify, whether they were listening to me or not, they probably were, <laughs> I assume. Bang, <laughs> Justin Bieber's just released a new album. Would you like to listen to it? I'm like, I've already listened to it, Spotify. So, you know, you, what are you I doing that. now? I hate it. I You've already listened to the album and then they just like, what? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere, man. Consumerism is everywhere, and and that's what capitalism is like. It, and I don't think we're a pure, purely capitalist society. I think there's there's a mix of capitalism and socialism, but it, it it errs more on the capitalist side. But the thing about it is, like, it's very hard to navigate modern adult life without selling out in some way. You know, I don't necessarily have a problem with a brand paying a lot of money and sponsoring something that's beneficial to society. So if you've got a message and you want to get it out there and Hennessy's like, we'll throw you a bag and, you know, Hennessy aren't necessarily, I don't know much about the, the company, but I don't know any problematic parts of them. So, you know, I still think that's how the world works. Unfortunately, there's no real way around that a lot of the time. And you're just going to have to accept that money and accept that, you know, you have to sell your soul a little bit. I mean, Nas is a venture capitalist. And when you talk about this kind of stuff, uh, you talk about like Jay-Z and Dame Dash always talks about it. You know, Jay-Z doesn't spend his own money. He spends other people's money. So he invests, you know, other people's money into things. And, and that's how a lot of capitalism works. It's how a lot of investment works where it's more, it's better to have someone else's money behind it than your own money. 
And I think that we see that a lot and it's really unfortunate. And it's something I've tried to be very, very conscious of with hip hop numbers is to never accept money for posts, never accept money for promotion, never accept money from my followers or underground artists because otherwise you're right, it just becomes, it just gets messy. I feel like it gets messy. The message can get lost or the message can get diluted or you know you stop trusting that source. You know when I posted about Lil Nas X yesterday, someone said, "Wow, the bag must have been big for this one." And I replied, "I'm like, come on now, like don't be silly. Like, why would Lil Nas X be paying me to post about him? Like that's silly, you know." So, but but that's the thing. As soon as that that little bit of doubt creeps in, everyone's like, "Okay, so how much influence does Hennessy have on this message? How much influence does Cadillac have on this message?" And I think that that's, that's where the problem lies. You know, that's where the problem lies. That, that Malcolm X story is a perfect example. We're giving you 50 mil just to say, maybe don't say this, or maybe just say this a little bit differently, or maybe just say that a little bit differently. And now you feel beholden to do that because they've given you money and they've given you a lot of money and they've kind of got you in a bit of a bind. And that's personally why I don't want to accept money from anyone. Uh, but that's my personal choice and my privilege to do that. I want to make that point very clear. I have money outside of hip-hop numbers. I don't need hip-hop numbers money to live and to survive and to pay rent and to mm. buy food and stuff like that. That's that's I'm lucky in that sense. And, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of people who are really struggling or who didn't grow up in a middle-income family the way I did or who didn't have the opportunities that I have, who don't have the skin color I have, who aren't born in the same city that I'm born in, um, I can fully understand that uh, mentality of needing that financial boost. And it, it does sadden me, man. It really does because unfortunately we're seeing how much control corporations have and we're not seeing it fully. We're aware of it. But we don't fully know how it's manifesting. We don't know, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know what's going on in those those meetings. We don't know what's going on in that contract. We don't know any of that stuff. So when you see that, I can totally understand your reaction. It's like, okay, so how much of this is you and how much of this is Cadillac? Or how much of this is you and how much of this is Hennessy? Like, you know, like what what are they trying to get out of this? And and that's always a sad thing because you know, and someone said this to me once before. And he's a, he's uh, he works on Amazon and he is very clued into capitalism and all that kind of stuff. He's very intent on that. And he said to me, if a, an organization is going to pay you six hundred dollars for some statistics, they're not they're going to make more than six hundred dollars off those statistics. Like there's a multiplier effect. And he says it's usually at least two. So they're going to make twelve hundred dollars off the statistics that you sold to them. Now maybe they're going to be able to make that money, and you're not because you don't know how to market yourself. You don't have the connections they do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you flip it and you look at the way people are sponsoring, say you know I'm not going to use the Cadillac and Hennessy example, but let's just say you know whatever. Well, maybe use a Hennessy example. Nas is up there, and you think, okay, what's Hennessy going to get out of this? They might have paid him two million dollars for this, but that's they haven't just thrown that two million dollars down the drain. They think they're going to get that back in some way. So there's some motive there. It's not just them saying, we support this. They're a business. So there's money coming back in off that. And how is that happening? Why is that happening? You know, what is the mechanism? And that's the stuff we're never privy to. And that's the part that scares me. That's the part that does scare me. I'm like, okay, I don't know. And maybe they have perfectly altruistic, perfectly optimistic, uh, you know, maybe they're fully behind the cause. 
But I don't know that. How am I to know that, you know? And I think that that's why people pause a little bit when they see stuff like that. It's like, okay, what's, you know, what's happening here? So I think that's why there's there's that that un, unclean feeling sometimes, you know? Yeah, and I don't think it's the first time I've felt, uh, I've, I've, uh, the first time I've uh, noticed it or anything like that. But like, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. It's just like... Uh, you 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 recognize one side of everything, and then like you find, it and then you just actually put your mind to another side of it, and you're like, "Fuck, there are a lot of sides." <laughs> like you think you think it's a you, you think it's a you think it's a triangle a uh, triangle, and then it's a like a decagon. You know what I mean? It's just. But that's the hard <laughs> thing, right? Because like it's really hard to judge based off like we have no idea. That's the the yeah. like maybe Cadillac yeah. is like how are we to know what is in that we don't know it could just be that cadillac is really supportive of that message and that that's how they've yeah. chosen you know we always criticize uh we criticize some companies for the black square but then yeah. on the flip side cadillac might just be giving that money away hennessy might just be giving that money away and that's their that's their what they're doing and i would fully support that if that was the case but at the same time it's like you you don't really know right is that is that what you is that the problem like you just don't know uh, like what the motivations are because i mean the motivations could be perfectly pure well well for the tamika mallory bit i was just like you're an activist like you your sole purpose is to like you know promote uh or just to you know bring light to plight or you know anything on that front as it pertains to Black Lives in the U.S. and like, and then, and then you've just got a you know a YouTube video with Cadillac, which is a division of General Motors, and like I'm just like, I I I, I don't know. It's just like why? Like, but when it comes to like I don't know tech YouTube, like you know this this tech video is sponsored by a tech company. I'm just like okay, and you know a lot of them really specify what they what their definition of sponsorship is like a lot of them like you know state specifically like what this is about like if they get given a phone to review they're not they're, they're not given they're not given the company like uh, you know uh, a first look at their script or whatever so you know it's, it's it's on the up and up on that front so you know i'm not saying it's burn it all down or anything mm. like that but i'm just i you can't you can't give me an ad about like black women empowerment sponsored by Cadillac <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense like uh, it just sends me it just it gives me a lot of questions more than answers so and and that's just I'll, I'll leave it there for sake of time but yeah it's just uh it's just jarring. you had a lighter note but <laughs> go go for it if you want <laughs> no 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 that's fine that's fine I just wanted no no that's fine I was just gonna say something stupid but no I agree with you I think um you're right. It does leave you with more questions and answers, and I think, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard uh, yeah. situation to navigate. Yeah. It's a hard thing to talk yeah. about because I don't want to be yeah. disrespectful to anyone in this process, and and I don't know motivations or or anything like that. So I hope I didn't come across as, you know, putting words into people's mouths or actions into people. But yeah, it's it's yeah. as you say. I, I I agree. I think it 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 creates more questions than answers. Yeah, it's just it just sells. It just sells. But anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if 
find the Fifth Foot Podcast Network. This is the Proletary Podcast. We're back. We're back. We're back on the vengeance. We're back on the vengeance. Yes, comrade. We're back. This has been Digging Digits. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you've enjoyed this Women's History Month as much as we did. I have been Charter of the Fifth Foot. I have been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. And we're low-key continuing it next week because we're going to do a big debrief about yep. exis- basically an ex- existential chat about uh, female artists in hip-hop because we did do it in the earlier episodes, I think episode six, uh, if you guys want to go listen back to that because I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, yeah, we're kind of just going to re-up it and uh, you know, we're good. We've, I think we've had some, gained some new, a new light uh, for, for this, for this, uh, uh, this year's crop of a female artist that we've gone through and uh yeah, we just uh, got some stuff to talk about existentially. Two, but uh, Two-year anniversary, too. 104, episode 104. And two-year anniversary the week after that. Uh, oh, it's the week we after, are, is it? Uh, okay. Yeah, 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 it's the week, yeah, it's the week after. I think it's the 11th or something like that. So, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, debrief next week. Uh, second two-year anniversary the week after that. And, uh, well, I don't know what we could do after, the, <laughs> after that. But we'll see what happens we'll see. until then. Hope you all have a good week. Which I always try and do the same, but until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Digging Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. They said your records for the ability to use. Socials for the Fifth Element Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chop Records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Thanks for spending time with us. And we shall see you next time on Digging in Digits. <laughs>